Hi, we're Amy and McKenna, both business owners, photographers, and a small part of this Spark community. Spark is a group of Christian women creatives that meets weekly to discuss our faith, our lives, and our businesses. Because let's be honest, we just can't do it alone. Our mission is to be a weekly place of rest for creatives, to find a safe space to connect with God and grow in their faith. We want to invite you to be a part of that when your coffee's running low and you're on the go. We'd love to meet you where you're at. Come join the conversation. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Spark the Podcast. We're so excited you're here. I'm Amy, and here with our other host, McKenna. Hi, guys. And we're so excited to welcome back Cassie Clear to the podcast. Hi, Cassie. Hey. So, Cass, I'm so excited to have you back, and this is just great. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and a few things that you've been enjoying this summer. Yeah. Um, so, hi, I'm Cassie Claire, and I'm a wedding photographer with no weddings to photograph. So, <laughs> uh, talk about an unexpected turn of events. Um, so, I have been calling 2020 kind of like a forced sabbatical. I feel like God was saying, you know, some years you tend the fields and some years you eat the fruits. And this year I have been eating the um, the fruits of my labor, which I actually call stress eating flourless chocolate tort. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but through that, you know, through all the crazy months, um, I have definitely started to see the blessing in disguise of this year. You know, Chris and I, Chris is my husband. Um, we are spending so much quality time together and I kind of feel like I'm getting the chance to get to know myself again after, you know, 10 years on the hamster wheel that is building a wedding photography business. <laughs> so, um, you know, but of course it's not all fun and games. And that's why I'm really excited about today's podcast topic of unity. Um, obviously these past couple months have been also like insanely divisive and it's, I think this is, um, a type of division I've never experienced in my life before. So um, while it's really good to find the silver linings, um, I never want to turn a blind eye to the hurt that others are feeling or tune out realities that maybe I'm not experiencing. Mm -hmm. So while <laughs> it's tempting to put myself in a bubble and say, la, 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 la. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> because, familiar with that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, because it's so much easier to just tune out the hard things um, that's not what we're called to do as Christians. And I feel like the, one of the verses that I keep coming back to the past couple of months has just been Galatians 6, 2, that says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So I'm really excited to talk about how we can be united at a really divisive time. And we're so excited to have you on Cassie. And we just really appreciate you diving into this um, topic with us. One of the things that we've been discussing throughout this um, series about unity is pride. And it sort of feels like it's the opposite of unity or a divider. Mm -hmm. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul shares that love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Have you seen evidence of envy and pride as a source of divide in your life? And how can we look to Christ and his love as the great unifier when these feelings come up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think obviously the first place that I look is to myself. Um, so one of the big topics that has come up during quarantine has been racial injustice. And it's one of those topics where my skin crawls just even thinking about the fact that racism still exists today. Um, and the very topic of race has made me very uncomfortable. 
I think in my thoughts, I'm thinking, but aren't we all equal? Why do we still need to talk about this? Is this awkward? Um, and I was really confronted with those thoughts last November at the um, Show at United Photography Conference. So the president of the company, Todd, he started off his talk to a group of, I mean, McKenna, you were there. How many people would yeah. you say? Like 100, 400 people? Um, Definitely with, yeah, around that. It was a lot of people, full room. Yeah. <laughs> so he um, started off his talk by putting up this giant slide, this big black slide that said, are you racist? And I immediately shrunk into my chair and I thought, where's he going with this? So I was so uncomfortable that I actually started praying for him while I searched <laughs> around the room to look and see how were the black people reacting, which that in and of itself is a funny thing because I didn't even know that it was okay to call a black person a black person. You know, we were taught like African-American and that is not accurate. And so one of the big things I've learned is that it's actually um, not just okay, but uh, sometimes preferred to just be called black. So just saying that because it still feels a little awkward for me to mm -hmm. say the term black, black people, black person. Um, but I looked around the room to see how they were reacting. And then I thought, why am I reacting this way? And why do I feel so uncomfortable? And, you know, why does it feel uncomfortable to think of someone, you know, as their, of their skin color? So one thing that I knew in my mind is that I'm not racist, yet I was made visibly uncomfortable by this. The whole room was uncomfortable, but I listened intently. And by the end, I realized that my pride had been challenged. So at, at the end of this talk, every black person in the room stood to their feet and applauded Todd. It turns out all he did was address the elephant in the room, but it was the elephant that I never saw and I never had to think about. It was an elephant that most black people have to walk around every single day. So when that giant uncomfortable slide popped up on the big screen, I immediately made a list of defenses in my head of why I'm not racist, but I have black friends, but I always treat everyone equally, but, 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 but pride. Instead of listening to the issues and hearing why the black community is hurting, I thought, yeah, but I'm not hurting them. And here's all the reasons why I'm not racist. So I looked up the definition of pride and it says, a feeling of satisfaction derived from one's own achievements or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. I was only looking to my own actions. So let's assume for a second that, that, that feeling any sort of pride in that situation was valid at all. What sort of things would you list as reasons to feel pride? Maybe having a super diverse friend group, maybe actively seeking out friendships with those who are different than me, maybe donating to racial equality organizations. Those are all beautiful things that could maybe make someone feel a sense of pride and not being racist. Well, I'm going to be very vulnerable here because I think a lot of us need to hear it. I wasn't doing any of those things prior to March 2020. So I was being defensive and prideful with no real reason to be. And I think some of you listening probably are too. Did that sting a little bit? Yeah, the truth is going to hurt the few first few times that you hear it. When we talk about unity, we can't expect it to just happen overnight. It starts by confronting these micro sources of pride each time they bubble up. Here's a little test. White privilege. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just roll your eyes and start listing in your head all the reasons why you were not privileged? Did you just start listing off things that give you, quote, a feeling of satisfaction derived from one's own achievements or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Galatians 5.14 says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Paul also shares, love does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. We cannot begin to love our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters, and we cannot begin to unite until we take the time to stop, listen, and understand what is dividing us. I, I like even got emotional a little bit, Cassie, when you're speaking about this, because I don't remember it. Like I, I was there with you, like you said it, and I, I'm trying to recall it. And I'm like, was I there? And that is a problem, you know? And, and I think that like recognizing that is, is important, but also just like, wow, like I, I don't remember that. I don't remember feeling uncomfortable. I just remember everybody hugging, you know? So I feel like you, maybe you weren't in the room for that one. Cause I feel like the (laughs) whole room was like, it was like this like tense eggshells. Like, I don't know. You couldn't have missed it. I don't think. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I think that that, I mean, what a precedent, like one, I, I mean, I, I adore Todd and, and he has done so much. Like, I don't know if you, I mean, we talked about this, but when we were going to have ignite, they were, you know, um, sponsors and that sort of thing for us. And I mean, just such a great testimony to the, uh, to like, their ministry and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a, what amazing foresight that Todd had to be Absolutely. like, no, 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 this isn't something that you wait for. We don't need to be waiting on people to die for us to make a stand for what's right. Absolutely. And, and so I re- I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's important, but also, wow, like, wow, that that had to have, that that happened in November, mm-hmm. 2019. Right. Like we're just now talking about it. It's a huge subject now. Like, I don't know. I, I When you're bringing that up, it's just like all of these emotions stirred in me of why, why now? But yeah. why not then? I feel like that is actually part of, you know, kind of the, you know, oblivion that we've been privileged to live in is like these conversations have been happening, but I haven't been a part of them. You haven't been a part of them. We haven't bared witness to it because it, isn't something that direct like directly affects our day-to-day life. And so the fact that it kind of, you know, took a global pandemic and all these crazy things to happen for us to finally for for people like you and I who are on the outskirts of this being like extremely white people who grew up in middle class lives, like I'm so grateful that we are getting to be part of this conversation and know that it's going on because I never want to live naively and I have been I've been living very naively so I feel like yes I think the why now is more like I'm so glad it's finally reached you know the table has finally extended to us you know yeah yeah well thank you for sharing that and and you know it just gets us into you know God calls us to be humble you know many times in scripture he says but many who are first will be last and the last first Matthew 1930, Luke puts it in a way in chapter 14, verse 11, when he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What does that mean to you and how does it affect the way you live your life? Well, as a very competitive person, (laughs) this one is hard (laughs) because my brain immediately sees this and is like, So you're telling me that I am going to work my butt off and do all this hard work to be the best and I'm still going to be last. Um, Thankfully, that's not what this verse means, (laughs) but you can see my competitive nature immediately goes there. Um, But I think it's important to look at the full story of that, um, that, that section of Matthew where it says, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So the full section of that is called um, the rich and the kingdom of God. 
So I'm going to give you the short, like, Cliff Notes, Cliff Notes version. Basically, a rich man comes up to Jesus and asks, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? So Jesus tells him he needs to keep the commandments. Then the man says, well, I've kept all the commandments. What else am I missing? So Jesus says, if you really want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. The man goes away very sad because he was very rich and he doesn't want to give up his earthly treasures. So the disciples were with Jesus when this happened and they kind of excitedly say, well, we have left everything to follow you. So what then will there be for us? And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So it's a lot of words, but basically a lot of people interpret this story as, you know, Christians shouldn't be rich or they can't be rich. It's not, you know, it's not ethical because of this story. And that's not what the root of this story is. The root of this story is to re reiterate Matthew 6:21, which says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this story could have easily been told about any other idol that we have as humans. But for this man, his heart was buried deep in his earthly treasures, his money, his land, his all of his riches. And Jesus knew that. So Jesus was challenging the root of greed in his heart, not saying that the money itself is evil. Money can be used for beautiful things, but that is another topic for another day. I just wanted to elaborate a little bit on this verse because um, when it says many who are first will be last and the last first, Jesus is challenging us to live with a heavenly perspective and to make sure that we have our hearts buried in the correct treasure. So notice that it says many and not all. Um, when it says many who are first will be last, not all who are first will be last. So yes, many of the quote unquote first in our, you know, in our time, which would be rich, powerful, famous people on earth, you know, many of them will be last in the kingdom of heaven, but it's not because they had money or power or fame. It's because they put their heart and soul and identity into those things. So when your heart and soul and identity is rooted in Christ, God can use money or power or fame to bring glory to God. So the reason why I feel like this is so encouraging is we have a lot of kind of these earthly categories that we put people in, rich people, poor people, you know, black, white, strong, weak, the popular, the unpopular. And the problem is, is that those divides just, you know, tear us apart instead of bringing us together. So this verse in particular, I feel like should bring unity across financial divides, social divides, every other earthly category we put, we put each other in. So if our heart is bound to Christ, none of these earthly constructs matter. In heaven, the rich will be seated with the poor, the known with the unknown, the strong with the weak, the black with the white, the men with the women, the Democrats with the Republicans, the mask wearers with the, well, let's just all wear, all wear our masks. <laughs> but above all, I feel like God is reminding us that when we put him first above all else, when we humble ourselves and when we exalt him, we too will be exalted with him, all of us together, united. I love that, Cassie. And I love that you really dove into that story. And um, I know I, I shared on the previous podcast that one of the things that I really struggled with um, last year, you know, was pride. And um, 
one of the things that I really love that Jesus says right after this is, you know, when the disciples say, well, who can inherit the kingdom of heaven? Um, and Jesus says, you know, with without God, these things are not possible. But with the Holy Spirit, with God, these things are possible. And so, you know, it just a, an encouragement. Like if these are things that you're struggling with, because, you know, we all are sinners and, and we do struggle with these things. Know that, um, you know, it may, may not be something that we can do on our own um, to walk away from this sin. But with God, all things are possible. So if it is something, you know that you're struggling with and, you know, pray to God. I know that I've, I've had to do that um, many times. And, you know, sometimes I feel like the world can be so self-seeking. It lifts up, like you were saying, independence, going after what you deserve. You do you. And the Bible just paints such a different picture in Philippians 2, 13 through 11. Um, and this is a little lengthy, but I want to go ahead and read it so you guys can get the full story. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came to this earth and humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. How can we practically turn away from our selfish ambition and humble ourselves before God and count others as more significant than ourselves? What would it look like, I guess, to live this out? Um, Yes. So that's obviously a big one because none of us are going to come anywhere close to what Jesus did. But um, applying this to, you know, our daily lives, um, for me, I feel like this is a struggle especially for us as independent business owners, you know, we're all, we have that entrepreneurial spirit where we're hungry and we want to build something and, you know, that's deeply rooted in us. Um, And that necessarily on its own is not a bad thing, but in our world, we need to be our own marketing team, our own hype team, (laughs) you know, like we're constantly told that our value is rooted in our number of social media followers and how much money we make and all these like trivial things you know when trivial when you're looking at it from a kingdom worldview um i can see how businesses would measure themselves that way but you know we are more than just a business so um it can be really easy to get caught up in your own ambition your own interests um and i'm not perfect at this at all i i think we probably all struggle with this on some level but the one thing that has really helped me um in my daily life is to draft a mission statement for our business So our mission statement says, our mission is to show the love of God in how we serve our couples, how we love each other. That's uh, referring to Chris and I, my husband, because we work together, Um, how we love our vendor teams and to use our gifts to create a joyful experience for everyone involved. So the way I see it, I would like to work with 15 wonderful couples each year, only 15. So as long as I have 15 brides following me on Instagram each year, I'm all set for social media. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, 
I'm sure some marketing genius is listening to me and to you, I say, I'm so sorry. And you're incredible. <laughs> but at the moment, that's not my calling. So when I come back to that mission statement, you know, outside of social media, just in, in normal business life, I think, how can I count others as more significant than myself? Um, well, that's one of the reasons why I specifically added the vendor teams to our mission statement. For the first few years of my business, I definitely had some arrogance and I often said things like, you know, we pride ourselves on not being just another vendor. Like we're more than just a vendor. And yes, it's true that I definitely smothered my couples with love until we became <laughs> real life friends. <laughs> but by saying that sentence, even internally, I was putting myself above other vendors subconsciously. So it was actually my friend, Mikkel Page, shout out to Mikkel. I second shot a wedding with her and my goodness, did she teach me so much in, about what it looked like to love others on a wedding day. At that point, you know, I was loving my bride and groom and loving their parents and loving the wedding party and kind of just the, the stars of the show is who I was loving. But then as a vendor, I was expecting to be treated as more than just a vendor, but I was treating other vendors as other vendors. And you know, I wasn't being rude, but I wasn't really going out of my way to love on them or serve them or think, hey, what photos would they like? Um, so this one wedding I shot with Mikkel, literally by the end of the day, she was best friends with the entire vendor team from the planner to the DJ to the bartenders to the busboys, everybody, you know, and it just made the whole day feel like this big, giant party. And so for me, that was really pivotal because seeing how she treated people just made me, you know, feel like that's how I want to be. I don't want to only go above and beyond for the couple. I, I want to treat every person there as if they're the most imp important person in the room. So it may seem really simple and it probably makes me feel um, or seem a little callous for not naturally doing that. But this is where humility comes into play. It's okay to not get things right on the first try as long as you are continuing to grow pursue righteousness and admit when you're wrong. I think admitting when you're wrong is the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, finally, we're going to um, look at this passage found in Matthew 12, 22 through 28. It says, speaking of Jesus and his healing, then they brought him a demon possessed man who was blind and mute and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the spirit of God and I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can we as Christians come together in unity during these challenging times so that we are not divided against each other, but perfectly united? with the same understanding and the same conviction. Yeah, tough one. Also, good job with all those Beelzebubs there, Keith. Uh -huh, thanks. <laughs> um, so I think for 
for me, one of the most profound things I heard shortly after becoming a Christian was even Satan believes that God is real. That's not enough. And for me, as someone who was a hardcore atheist until I was 19, um, I did not believe that God was real and obviously didn't believe Satan was real either. So I had a pretty dramatic rude awakening when I realized that God was real. And for me, just the act of acknowledging that God was real was, like I said, a wake up call. And I went all in with God. I was serving in ministry um, and I was questioning whether I should become a missionary. But um, then I met my husband, Chris, and God took me down a different path. Um, but I was so strong in my convictions, you know, as soon as I realized that God was real. And I couldn't understand how someone could believe that God was real and not immediately hand over their lives to them. So when I first heard this quote, you know, that even Satan believes that God is real, um, that was my first introduction to, you know, quote unquote, lukewarm Christianity, which I'm sure um, anybody who goes to church regularly um, maybe has heard that term before. But that term refers to people who sort of check the box for Christian, but they don't really have a relationship with God. Um, and let me just clarify on this. We're not to judge one another's faith um, because that can easily become a source of pride of, oh, well, I know Jesus better than you. Like, no, that's not that's not what I'm referring to. However, I am referring to people who proclaim to be Christians um, when it's more just, uh, you know, kind of checking that like, I'm Republican, I'm, you know, Democrat, I'm Christian, I'm white, I'm this. It's it's more of a title rather than a relationship. Um, and there is a famous quote that says, if we don't stand for something, we fall for anything, um, which has definitely like that song by, um, what is, I think it's Katy Perry, like, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. <laughs> that has been playing in my head the whole time I was prepping this. Um, but the actual quote I love, and I feel like, it's so important and it's so true. And the one thing that as Christians we must always stand for is Jesus. Jesus above political party, Jesus above skin color, Jesus above finances, Jesus above any little box that we would check on a, on a form. You know, we can't be lukewarm, especially now, um, otherwise we're gonna be pulled with the tide. And to me, I think today's tide is kind of that, you know, being swayed by the media, being used as a political pawn on either side of the spectrum. Um, and we have to interpret every piece of news or media with a kingdom worldview. Um, in order for us to come together in unity with the same understanding and the same conviction, Jesus has to come first. We have to put aside our pride, our political affiction, uh, affiliations. And honestly, I think of that cliche, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? <laughs> so if, if Jesus came back today, what sins would he be calling out? Who would be today's Pharisees? What sin would he be calling out in you or in me? Um, and so when I think about, you know, how to approach just everything that's being thrown at us, um, you know, the past couple of months, our whole lives, you know, just everything in general, the way that we need to interpret the world, um, I will leave you with a few verses that help encourage me, especially when unity feels very far away. So the first one is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And to me, I feel like that's so important because it just reminds me that the real progress happens face to face. 
not in the comments section on your Facebook post, you know, meet with people and listen as much as you talk. That is where your humility and, you know, pride is going to come into question. And it's not just about getting your point across. It's about listening as well. On that note, there's another one, Mark 11:25, And this one says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So while we're working towards unity as Christians, there are likely, likely to be times where we hurt each other. It's important to seek forgiveness along the way. Another verse is John 3, uh, 3.16, which everybody knows this one, <laughs> but it literally says, for God so loved the whole world. That means all citizens of every nation. So global news story, and it puts on kind of what I call like the America filter. Um, that article often doesn't care about the actual subject. They care about my vote. And so I feel like it's really important to remember that we are citizens in heaven first and America second. It doesn't matter what your passport says, you belong to God. And then lastly, this is the one I feel like if you remember anything I said today, this is the one thing that is the most important to me. And I feel like it really helps me to stay grounded, um, especially in all of this. So um, first, it's important to acknowledge that unity does not mean sameness. It doesn't mean we're all magically going to become twins and share the exact same mindset. It means that we're united even among our differences. So there is, um, of course, scripture to back that up. It is 1 Corinthians 12. 12 through 27. And this chapter is literally called Unity and Diversity in the Body. And I'm going to read it because it is so, so, so important. So bear with me. Okay. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Hmm. I love that, Cassie. And I love, you know, thinking about, um, you know, the church and God's design for it and um, all of these people who are different um, and play different parts coming together. And um, I especially love that last part, you know, about us all coming together and there being no division. And um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Before we go, yeah. do you have any last thoughts on humility and unity? 
I feel like that last section just on the body just sums it all up for me. I feel like for me, when I start to feel, um, you know, that little tension that bubbles up when you disagree with somebody, you know, I analyze first if it's biblical and if it is biblical and we can both be right, then we're just different parts of the body. Now, obviously, if somebody is saying something or acting in a way that's not biblical, then, you know, call them out on that, especially if they are believers. Um, there's, I won't get into, you know, the whole treating Christians versus non-Christians differently because that's like a whole other topic. But God does say that there is a different set of standards for non-believers just because they they don't have the Holy Spirit to guide them. So it's a little bit different. But among, you know, your Christian family, if you see somebody doing something unbiblical, I do think that you can, you know, approach them and try to talk that out um, in regards to, you know, becoming unified again. But if you come up with somebody and they have a different opinion on something, um, and the Bible doesn't directly address it, or it does, and and it's you know conflicting because there are parts of the Bible that you know support different things. That's how we ended up with all of these different, um, what do you call it, denominations of Christianity. So. I think that some things are definitely up to interpretation and guidance from the spirit and that's okay. And just like that, you know, scripture says like some of us are the hands, the feet, the heart. Some of us are the, you know, the mind where we're, we're big thinkers. So it's just, everybody is supposed to be different, but everybody's supposed to work together. Um, and I think that's where the beauty is, is like finding a way to come together, even though you are different, you know, my, hand can get along with my eye, even though they are <laughs> totally different. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I would just encourage, um, encourage people to see that it's about more than just being exact replicas of each other. It's just about finding ways to work among your differences. Awesome. Oh my gosh, Cassie, thank you for just joining us and being part of this. We're so excited um, that you joined and that you were able to talk a little bit more about your views and just straight up, like what the Bible says, you know, and, and what we can all take from that. But we'd love to know where to find you so that people can follow you on your website or Instagram. Yeah. Um, my website is, well, everything is Cassie Claire. So Cassie is with an I C A S S I. And then Claire is C L A I R E. And because Cassie with an I is a very unique spelling, I was pretty much able to grab it everywhere. So <laughs> it's at Cassie Claire on Instagram, um, Pinterest, Twitter, all those things. I don't tweet, so I don't even know why I said Twitter. <laughs> but, um, and then CassieClaire.com is the website. Awesome. And you guys know where you can find us. You can find us at NJSpark.co on our website and NJSparkCo on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, Cassie. We just so appreciate you being here with us today. Before we go, we want to leave you guys with this verse. It's found in Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Thanks again for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.